God. The host, Louis Alexander, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, Free Tools, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Once again, give us a call. It's 291-6901. And you put our area code in front of that, which is 225. You can reach us from anywhere inside the continental United States this morning. There you go. We sure wish you would. We always enjoy hearing from folks all around the country. And sure. In get the Baton Rouge area as well. A little different perspective on what goes on around the country. Because well, right. things that happen here don't happen in California and Vice versa. Well, that's true. It may not be 102 degrees. What hurts the humidity? There you go. <laughs> in parts of the world, if you're in Oregon. That's right. Part. It is sure miserable here. Yeah, it is right now. We were speaking a little bit just before the show, and this is an absolutely delightful place to live. Oh, it is. Probably 10 months out of the year, but boy, those two. <laughs> I tell you what, that July and August, yeah, man, it is something. Those are killers. But give us calls, 291-6901. vast majority of folks who listen to the Automotive Hour probably never do call in. Uh-huh. And what happens is that when you call in with a question, you may bring up something that they were wondering about and right. for whatever reason just didn't call in. So you actually are helping everyone else with your calls. Don't ever think that a call is too silly or not worth calling in for because whatever you say may very well spark someone else that was wondering about something. Sure. Because, like I said, the, the vast majority of our listeners probably don't ever call in. We got oh, uh, huge, all over the country. Well, a huge number on the Internet from all over the world. Uh-huh. I know because I get email from I had one from a guy in Germany and one from a guy in England just this week. says they listen religiously, but they're probably not going to call in. Yeah, I wouldn't think. <laughs> probably not going to get up at, like, <laughs> Say the time 2 difference. o'clock in the morning to call in. And right. Not only that, but probably not economically feasible to call sure. in, even if you could work out the time schedule and everything <laughs> else. So anyway, we really appreciate everybody who does call us and uh, give us a question and maybe help someone else out. There you go. There you go. That's the name of that tune. And you know, between the calls today, I thought we would maybe talk a little bit about vibrations and okay. stuff like that, because I know we've spoken about it at times in the past, but we're going to kind of expound on that, I guess. And it's one of those topics that I think it's maybe one of the most difficult diagnosis that there can be. It can certainly be simple. Sure. There's some simple tests you can do to isolate different areas of vibration. Well, and a lot of vibrations are relatively simple. For instance, you put a new set of tires on your car, and now all of a sudden at 45 miles an hour, the steering wheel is shaking back and forth. Where it wasn't before you got the tire. Wasn't doing it before. Then logically, you could assume that something with the tire uh-huh. is going to be causing this. And the most common thing is going to be maybe it's not balanced properly. Right. Although it, it could, could be not a be a number of other things. Right. It could not be mounted correctly. It could have been mounted incorrectly. And when I say mounted incorrectly, I know it's on the wheel. Right. It got put on the wheel. But when you put a tire on a rim, it is mandatory that you lubricate the tire and the rim. Because sure. you have two surfaces that have to slide one on the other. And that's because the well of the tire is dished down so you can get the tire over the rim. Mm -hmm. The outer periphery of that tire is much larger and much tighter. The tire has to get into the well, and then when you start to put air in it, it pushes it out to seat against the bead. Correct. And if it's not lubricated, then it is not going to slide properly, so it's not going to seat. It's going to dig in. It's going to start to twist the carcass of the tire. The worst possible thing, and unfortunately this happens Quite, quite often, right, right. Is they just keep putting more air in it. Well, yeah. They just pump more and more and more air until finally the tire explodes out onto the rim. Bam! And I've said before, when you're watching people mount tires and you hear that loud, deafening pop and right. the tire seats on the rim, that is most likely 
the sound of your tire being ruined. Exactly. You could buy a premium tire. I mean, top, oh, top of the line tire. You could pay retail price for it if it is not put on the rim properly. It's going to twist the carcass. It could possibly damage some belting in it. And now you're going to have a vibration that is going to be there until you replace the tire. You know, that is our specialty. We see that all day long. We do. And like you were saying, what happens is one side of that tire will snap up and it'll seat. But when the other side goes on, it doesn't seat all the way. So when you get ready to balance it, the tire is actually wobbling on the rim because right. it's not seated well, correctly the all the way around. Not, yeah, sidewall's not fully extended to the bead of the wheel. Right. You'll have a vibration you'll never get out with that tire. Well, and even if you do get it balanced in that state, and it rolls down the road, it gets hot, and it pops out a little bit more. Well, now the balance changes. Correct. So you get it balanced, it's okay, and then a week, two weeks, a month later, it starts to vibrate. So you get them balanced again. A week, two weeks, a month later, it starts vibrating again. And it's because the tire is moving on the rim. It's trying to get it seated, so Mm -hmm. the physical tire itself is changing shape right now one other thing just going along i guess the other side of the coin is that when the tire is lubricated it has to be lubricated with tire lube right tire lube is a special product that is going to allow rubber to slide against metal it water is not going to work because water won't lubricate a tire if water lubricated a tire you couldn't stop a car at 70 miles an hour on a wet road <laughs> water is not going to do it so it's a tire lubricant the reason you can't use something like soapy water which might lubricate it but now you've got a soapy film and when you get moisture in the air and all that it re-energizes so it becomes a lubricant and the tire may start to slip on the rim correct well again if a tire is slipping on the rim it's not ever going to be balanced because it's constantly moving relative to the rim right that tire lubricant is a special lubricant like you were saying and what it does is once it does its job it actually dries out it evaporates it's a water soluble lubricant that is adequate to lubricate the rubber and get it to seat on the tire and then evaporate and go away once its job is done and it's not free it's not awfully expensive but i it's probably 20 25 a gallon mm-hmm. and if a tire shop is mounting a lot of tires they can go through a gallon probably in a week pretty easily and they may be tempted to either water it down, water it down right i've seen that happen yeah or just use water we mm-hmm. see this a lot and what happens unfortunately some of the guys mounting tires are not the top asc master techs right at agco that's all we employ is master tech so we don't have minimum waste folks out there running around but a lot of tire stores because of their pricing structures and all that they're trying to keep costs down they don't necessarily have a super trained technician mounting tires Mm -hmm. he may or may not have ever been trained well well somebody may have just showed him hey put this tire on his rim well and not how to do it correctly that and because those places don't typically pay a lot of money they do generally see a lot of turnover in their staff so the trainee trained the trainee who trained the trainee, <laughs> and each time the message got a little more watered down. Sure. So a lot of times what happens, you go in, you buy a premium tire, you pay a good price for it, they ruin the tire putting it on the rim. And we've actually got an article on the website. Just type in tire mounting mm-hmm. in the search bar, and it'll bring it up. But there's an entire article entitled, I think, Can a Caveman Mount a Tire? And something as simple as that can start a problem that is going to be very difficult to resolve, very difficult to diagnose and resolve. So that's one thing. Now, when you say balance a tire, it's not as simple as just putting it on the machine, pushing the button, spinning it, and then knocking a weight on and then giving it back to the customer. There's a lot more to balancing a tire than just that. 
We're going to go ahead and take a quick little break, but when we come back, we can talk more about this and all sorts of vibrations and how you can go about diagnosing them. Sounds great. There you go. Travel my way, take the highway, that's the best. I get your kicks on Route 66. Hi, folks. Louis Aldazan here from Agco Automotive. This year we celebrate 40 years in business, and man, I can't believe all the calls we received from national dignitaries. Louis, it's the governor. I'm taking time out from my new movie to congratulate you on 40 years. I got to run, but I'll be back. Louis, hey, I'm playing golf with an old friend, and we wanted to call and say that 40 years is quite a run. Lewis, that is absolutely splendorific. <laughs> hey, Lewis, James here, 40 years. Well, you know, there's nothing more I like than a good homegrown Louisiana success story, except, well, maybe politicking and my tigers. You're up now, you hear? Well, I'm flattered. I guess even in the world of politics, honesty and integrity are still something to value. Okay, well, maybe outside the world of politics. Agco. After 40 years, it's still the place to go. Hey, welcome back. Just join us the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alzan, with Mr. Brian Terry. We certainly appreciate you spending one of your Saturday mornings with us, and we wish you'd give us a call so we can try to help you out and point you in the right direction. That's right, and that number is 291-6901. That's correct. If you want to talk to us this morning. There you go. And if you don't want to talk to us this morning, but you get a question during the week. You can always go to the website. The address is agcoauto.com. That is A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. There is a contact bar on each and every page. Just click the button, fill out the form, and send it in. It couldn't be too much easier. <laughs> That's it. couldn't be easier than that. And if you have a question and you want to speak with someone, you're going to need to call the radio show. Right. Don't call me at the shop because I can't take calls during the week at the shop. My job is to run the shop, get the jobs written, coordinate the activities, and all those sorts of things. We do have two service advisors who can answer any question that can be answered on the phone. So mm -hmm. please feel free to ask them whatever you might have. And they're going to tell you. Now, if you have a technical question and you just want to chit-chat with me and not make an appointment, then you need to send me an email because I can't just come to the phone and answer calls during the week. Or you could give us a call right now. Or you can call us during the radio show. There you go. <laughs> which is the reason we do the radio exactly. show. <laughs> That's right. You were talking about vibrations and, in right. particular, tire and wheel vibrations right now. And we started talking just a little bit about balance. Now, balancing a tire is not as simple as just putting it on a machine, knocking a weight on, and putting it on the car. No, it's not. Balancing a tire begins with mounting the tire. Mm -hmm. If the tire goes on the rim correctly, and that is a if the tire goes on the rim right. correctly, you use the proper lubricant, you air it up, it has to be at a certain pressure. The proper pressure for the tire. Most of your tires now are between... 44 and 51 right just if you look on the sidewall or whatever tire it is it'll have the maximum air pressure on right. it i like to be about 10 percent below that right. cold and on some of the more modern cars with a tpms you may have to go with the door tag reading because, because the light will come on if right you don't. there's actually a threshold in that tpm there's a low threshold and there's also a high threshold on some of them newer and players. either one of them will turn the light on so right that's the case and you're going to have to go with the door tag and the reason the door tag is there is that is the minimum pressure it requires to safely inflate a tire to work on the car but at that pressure you're generally going to get a little more tire wear the car's going to ride better oh it's going to ride much better a little more tire wear so 
If you're more concerned with performance and tire life, you could go with a little higher number. If you are more concerned with ride, then you go with the number on the door. Correct. But you have to be between those two numbers. You can never exceed the maximum, and you can never be below the door. The minimum. And 10% under maximum seems to work out best for tire wear, not necessarily for ride, unless you got a TPMS system that requires you to put a different air pressure. Correct. Once we get the tire mounted and the correct air pressure in it, the only way to know you have the correct air pressure is to have an air pressure gauge that reads correctly every time you use it. I've seen a lot of times that tires will come in and the customer says, well, I have a tire pressure set already. Well, you put your gauge on it and they're all off. Yeah, there are 10 pounds variation from all the tires. And a tire that is five pounds one way or the other will change the balance because as a tire inflates, it gets larger, which is going to change your balance. So a tire has to be inflate it to the pressure where it's going to be run when it's balanced. Correct. Or it will not balance properly. Correct. So after we get the tire mounted on the rim Mm -hmm. with the correct air pressure on it, we take it over to the balancer. And that's not as a simple job as most people would think. You just put it on, spin it, knock some weights on it, and you're done. It doesn't happen that way. When you put the tire in the rim assembly on the balancer, you have to make sure it is chucked up correctly to the balancer. There are several ways to do that. There's a cone that goes in the back. And at ADCO, we have a set of adjustable fingers where we can adapt to the lug pattern and use the lug pattern and the cone together mm-hmm. to get a correct mounting to the balancer. Well, you have to determine how this wheel mounts on the car because most wheels are going to be hub-centric. So mounting off the center hub is going to be the best way. And that works for most of your factory rims. Right. Now, your aftermarket rims, that's a totally different story that's right it has to be balanced differently well depending on how it mounts to the vehicle lug centric wheels if the lugs center the wheel then you have to balance off the lugs because that's what's going to center it on the car if you balance off the center hole chuck it up on the car and it moves to the center of the lugs it may not be balanced Mm -hmm. so you have to balance it in accordance with the way that it is going to mount on the car and you have to know that you have to have the proper tooling to do that correct once you get it mounted on the balancer most of your new balancers make you run it out and then rotate the assembly on the machine and run it out again to compare the two readings. And what that does is that tells the technician that the tire and wheel assembly is now mounted correctly to the balancer. That's right. Because if you just put the tire assembly on the balancer, spin it, and throw some weights on it, you're not 100% sure that it was actually mounted to the balancer correctly. You haven't verified. There's not a burr in the wheel hole we see that a lot because corrosion tends to build behind those in the wheel flange and when you take it off you've disturbed that corrosion when you put it on the balancer that corrosion is still existent there right and if you chuck up that wheel with that bit of corrosion on it, it's going to throw it off right it's not going to center the same way it's centered on the balancer right so it's running in a different plane so it's not going to be balanced on the car exactly once we get that figured out I've had to take a lot of times, take the wheel back off the balancer right. and clean the hub out. Right. The rust pits, some of your cheaper chrome wheels, the chrome you start peeling off, which changes the back of the flange. Several different things you have to, to know to be able to get it to balance correctly. Well, if somebody got a little rough putting the wheel on and stabbed that aluminum wheel against one of the lug studs and the stud and it, put a dent in that right. center hole, that wheel will never be balanced properly until that's addressed. Right. We take a file and, and redress that area so right. it will actually mount correctly. Once you get it mounted correctly and run out correctly, you verify that it is now mounted correctly to the machine. You take your measurements. Some of your wheels now have no provision for a knock-on weight on the outside. That's right. It's kind of a, a rounded face or a flat face. 
Some of them have a provision on the back. Some of them don't. Some of your high-end wheels, like your BMWs and your Mercedes, do not actually have a, a lip that you can put a weight on. So, therefore, you have to use a stick-on weight, right. which is an adhesive strip weight that you cut to size and stick to the rim. On the inside. On the inside of the, the rim. Depending on what you have, you've got a gauge that will tell you what type of weight goes on these wheels because all the lips are different. They each take a different type of weight. At Agco, we've got a box. Yeah. I say a box, a cabinet, cabinet <laughs> with several drawers in it full of weights, different types of weights, different configurations of weights. This gauge tells you exactly which weight fits this wheel. If you put the wrong weight on it, five, ten miles down the road, maybe a week later, one of the weights is going to fly off. It could fly off. It could move. It could shift in position. All sorts of things can happen. It, if it's not the proper weight, it's not going to stay balanced. Right. It's not going to stay where it's supposed to. Once you figure that out, you run your machine out. When the machine stops, it actually tells you where the weights are supposed to be. Position. So you put the weights on, and you spin it again to verify that you put the weights on correctly. If it comes up off, then either you've used the wrong weight, weight, the wrong configuration, or it got put not exactly in the right place. Wrong position. Or the, the, the machine is malfunctioning. Or the machine is malfunctioning. And a, a technician that knows that machine will be able to tell that. Mm-hmm. Like you were saying, they got guys that somebody's told them, hey, just nail these weights on. Right. And if it comes up zero, you're done. Well, and it's probably a tire store that has absolutely excellent people in I'm, it. I'm not saying they don't. Exactly. I'm just saying as a general rule in places that cater more to quick turnaround and stuff like that, a lot mm-hmm. of times low-wage people and right. they have a lot of turnover and training may be an issue. They may not know all these things. Right. Something else we see a lot is multiple weights on a tire. Mm-hmm. We see it a lot. They come in, my car shaking at a certain speed. You look on there and there's a one-ounce weight at 6 o'clock and a half-ounce weight at 12 o'clock. Right. Well, what they've done is they've just counterbalanced the first weight. That's right. So all that has to be taken off. And you have to start over. If you see more than one weight on either side of the wheel, then you know we've got a problem. The only exception to that would be if the weights are touching each other. Right. Just because either they didn't have the correct weight size for a one weight. Or some people may actually elect, let's say it requires a large amount of weight because of a big tire. And let's say it calls for four ounces of weight. Some shops may elect to put two two two-ounce weights side by side rather than a four-ounce weight. Only because you got two clips holding on, and that's a lot of weight. You want to make sure that it does stay in Correct. place. So that would be acceptable. But two weights in different positions on one side of the wheel is definitely a no-no, as is no weight on one side or the other of the wheel in most cases. In most cases. Very exception. There are an exception. Occasionally you may see where it didn't require weight on this particular wheel, but that's going to be real, real far. It's, it's definitely a red flag. Sure. Let's go to our phone lines with John. Hi, calling from Toronto. Hey, John, how are you this morning, man? Good, and you? Good. Doing very well. That's good. We've actually got warm weather up here at the moment. I'm actually uh, hot. (laughs) What's hot to you, John? Well, it's about 80, I would say. Oh, man. Poor deer. (laughs) Yeah, I know. 80. But it's humid, so it feels a bit sticky today. There you go. (laughs) I I think I said to you in an email a while back that I'd rather trade 10 months of good weather rather than two. Well, you're probably right. (laughs) Yeah, I think you've still got the advantage by a lot. Yeah, probably so. (laughs) Yeah, I was was listening to your discussion about tires, and I had a question that other people might want to know, too. Sure. Is the tire pressure monitors, my daughter has an 07 Acadia, and the other day the tire was going flat in the garage, and I thought maybe I pumped it up and thought, well, maybe it just leaked somewhere. 
and they took it in. They said that the tire pressure monitor actually was leaking. I never heard of that actually leaking and letting the air out. Well, Maybe, sure. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, and yeah. Sort of, you know, tell us what, there's anything that we should, if there's any preventive thing or how often it happens. Sorry, that's a yeah, I heard. <laughs> I'm sitting outdoors. Go ahead. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, those have actually a rubber seal that the tire pressure monitor generally attaches to the valve stem of the vehicle. Some of the newer ones kind of pull through, and I'm going to put you on hold, John, because I'm getting a ton of background noise. Some of them just pull through like a conventional valve stem and have a sensor attached. Other ones bolt in. They have a nut and they have a ring of some type, rubber ring on each side. Those can leak either where the seal rings affixed to the rim or they can leak in the valve stem itself just like a conventional valve stem can leak. I mean, it's, I guess it's also possible it could crack. The sensor could be cracked or damaged and it could leak there as well. But, yeah, anything that goes through the rim is a potential spot for a leak. So that has to be verified when the tire is mounted on. Traditionally, you do not replace those tire pressure sensors unless the batteries are weak or there's a reason to replace them because they're kind of expensive they're about a hundred dollars a piece so you don't just routinely replace them when you go in and put a set of tires on unless you've got a light on or something like that and gm ford chrysler those guys say don't replace the stems in them because they're actually stainless steel with a urethane seal and they're supposed to be good for the life of the vehicle but like anything even something that's supposed to be good for life it can fail it can go bad over time so sometimes those do have to be repaired or replaced, and they do make little kits where you can replace those. Good question. I'm sorry we're up against a break, but we'll be right back with more in the Automotive Hour. Hey, Lewis Alzan, Magco Automotive. This year we celebrate 40 years in business, and you won't believe the people calling in to congratulate us. Hey, Lewis, it's Jay. You, you know, I'm into cars myself, and 40 years of business is amazing, just amazing. You know, if I still had my show, I'd have you in the interview chat just like that. Mr. Altazan, congratulations from your old pal Jack. 40 years is quite an accomplishment, and that's the truth. I should know, because I can handle the truth. Uh, uh, Lewis, it's, it's me, Oz. 40 years. I, I can't even... Bloody amazing. Sharon! Where's my cell phone? Oh, that's right. I, I, I'm on it. Now I've got to find my glasses. Well, it's been really nice getting all these calls. I guess in this day and age, people really appreciate an automotive repair shop that does good work and will never steal your own. Agco. After 40 years, it's still the place to go. Now I'm noise off the river to ride. Don't mind it, cause the man with the whiskers has a lot behind it. But I hey, can't welcome keep back to Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Alzheimer, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, two tools, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Today we were talking about vibrations and how to diagnose them and some stuff like that. But we'll take a call on any question you might have, any topic you've got, and you just give us a call. We're going to try to help you out and point you in the right direction. That's right. Now, we've gotten to the point where the tire's now mounted properly, it's balanced properly, it's put on the car. But there's an aspect even beyond balance, which is round. Correct. If a tire is out of round, and generally tires are made out of round, obviously you can ruin a tire putting it on the rim. But beyond that, if a tire is not round, it was not manufactured round. It's a manufacturing defect. Now, folks will tell us a lot of times they'll come in, we'll find out around tires on the car, it's shaking like the devil, and they say, but they balance properly. Right. Well, Well, balanced and round is not the same. Exactly. You can balance a Coke machine. That's right. 
It's not going to roll it's down not, the road very good. Exactly. Well, you can balance an egg or a square block. It's just not going to roll. It has got to be round, or it's going to start tramping down the road because it's bouncing like a basketball. Uh-huh. You're going to pick up an inherent vibration. So that's one more thing you have to verify is the tire is not only mounted right, balanced right, but it has to be a round tire. Now, beyond all that, there are a number of other things. For instance, the rim, the wheel itself, can be damaged. Sure. Which is going to cause the tire to not even though it's put on properly, if the rim is bent or twisted or wobbling through the face, we're going to have a vibration. Another is the wheel flange. Right. I have seen a lot of wheel flanges get damaged mm-hmm. from improper being put on the vehicle improperly. Well, yeah. Because, you know, back in the day when you had five lugs, you had a big old cast iron brake drum and you had a steel wheel, you just hammered the lugs on and you were done. Mm-hmm. Today's cars are built so much lighter and so much more precise until if you put that wheel on that car and you torque one of the lugs down and or, then you go or worse don't torque it down just crank it just down, crank it down 160 foot pounds on one lug nut and, and then, then try to tighten the other five you're going to twist that flange you could very well can bend the flange and now you're going to have a vibration that you just can't hardly get out because you keep balancing wheels and tires and the vibration is still there because it's not on the wheel and tire it's on the car itself right the, the wheel hub the hub is damaged and beyond that there's just so many things that can cause a wheel tire to vibrate. That's why these things can be so difficult. Traditionally, as a rule, we say alignment. Wheel alignment will not cause a vibration, and that is true. Vibration is going to be something that's turning and not something that's static like alignment. However, as with every rule, there's always a exception. There is. I remember back when the, the little 280, 240, 260Z cars were real popular. They came with a assorbent amount of caster on them. Right. And... The only way to get the vibration out that the caster was causing was to reduce the caster on them. Mm-hmm. Once we figured that out, man, we were fixing cars two yeah. or three a week. Yeah, they were having – what happens as caster increases, it increases the balance requirement of the wheel, and it may increase it to the point, because it makes the wheel so sensitive to imbalance, it may increase it to the point where it can't be balanced that precisely. Mm-hmm. For instance, one gram of weight would cause a shimmy, and you just can't hardly find – stuff in the field that can balance to within one gram most things are going to balance within about a quarter of an ounce which is right. way more inadequate on 99 percent of the cars this particular setup had an inherent vibration problem which was made much worse by excessive caster you could reduce the caster which would lower the requirements of balance to where a typical balance could fix the problem now where another place you'll see that is on let's say a custom car where somebody's built a car right maybe they've built a kit car or some kind of a modified took a 23t bucket and built it built chassis up and when they designed it they didn't have an engineer suspension engineer maybe sitting there telling them all the ramifications so they went in they put a certain amount of caster but there's tons of factors that are going to influence that they may have gotten the caster excessive so now we pick up a vibration that's inherent in this And that sort of thing, it's not cookie-cutter, so there's not going to be a cookie-cutter solution. You're going to have to have someone with an extreme amount of experience looking at the car. That's not one of those things you go on the Internet and say, oh, yeah, my car's vibrating. (laughs) Because there is no standard. You don't know what was done, how it was done, what's done right, what's done wrong. So there's just no way to diagnose that car without an extreme amount of experience and looking at the car. Correct. and, And measuring and trying all those things. Now, that just basically scratches the tip of the iceberg as far as vibration. Oh, definitely. 
because wheels and tires are one of those things that do vibrate. But there are just they, an inordinate number of other things that can vibrate. Right. They're not the only things that are turning on a vehicle. Almost anything on a vehicle that rotates can vibrate. Sure. So when we have a vibration, what we want to do first is get a handle on what's causing this problem. So the first thing we need to do is determine what things affect this vibration. Correct. Which means a test drive. For or instance, two. If we're driving at 62 miles an hour and we start to feel a trump, 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 trump kind of a feeling, one thing we may want to do first is drop it down into a lower gear and see if the vibration changes. Is it still at 62 miles an hour or does it it now go up or go down with the RPM of the engine? Right. Because if it is RPM related, it's more likely going to be something in the engine torque torque converter or drive line that uh-huh. is subject to an RPM, whereas if it's more mile-per-hour related, it's more likely going to be suspension or on the output side of the differential, which Correct. is mile-per-hour related. Now, another way to look at that, if let's say it shakes at exactly 70 miles an hour, we might bring the car up to 75, it quits shaking, you bring it at 65, it quits shaking. We'll bring it to 75, put it in neutral, let it coast back through that range. Correct. If the vibration does not manifest at 70 miles an hour when coasting, drop it back in gear, the vibration's there. Now we know this is something that is related to pressure on acceleration, which is far more likely going to be driveline related. Now, driveline doesn't mean it's necessarily the drive shaft. It doesn't mean it's the U-joints. It doesn't mean that. It could be the alignment of it all. It could be an engine mount or a transmission mount or, like we found out, a transfer case mount. Sure. Can cause a vibration on acceleration when power is applied. Certainly not the only things that can do that, but those are the first things you're going to want to eliminate because you don't want to go do a bunch of obscure repair and look at a lot of real complicated stuff when we're overlooking the more common stuff. Now, some of the things as far as a driveline vibration is, of course, the drive shaft itself, the U-joints. U-joints, right. And what we hear all the time, we'll come in and people have a vibration on acceleration. You let off, it gets better. And you say, did you check the U-joints? Oh, yeah, they're fine. They're fine. Okay, how did you check them? Well, there's no slack in them. Well, that's, that's only one, one way. way they fail, correct. One way a U-joint can be bad. They can also get tight. They can seize up, which is going to cause a heck of a vibration, even though there's no slack in the joint. They can be damaged in insulation. You could have a little dent in the drive shaft because whoever put the U-joint in pounded it in with a hammer and bent the flange. Right. You can have a flange that is damaged. You can have a misalignment in the flange. U-joint may not be seated in the flange. All these sorts of things. Now, also the angles that the drive shaft operates at are absolutely critical. A U-joint generally cannot operate at much more than 3 to 5 degrees angle. Mm -hmm. And the two angles, front and rear drive shaft, should be roughly counter to one another. If one is, say, uh, 355 degrees and the other one needs to be, say, 5 degrees, so that they counter each other out, they're basically going to work against each other. When one is straight ahead and the other's got an angle on it, you can end up inducing a vibration. Now, drive shafts also have balance, and balance is extremely critical on a drive shaft because it is turning much faster than the wheels. It's, most of them turn at least three times faster than the wheels, depending, depending on, on the, the gear ratio and gear the rear ratio end. of the car. Yeah, because if right. you've got, say, a hot rod and you've got four or 11 gears, now it's turning four, four times, times as fast. So if you're driving 60 miles an hour, that drive shaft is spinning 240 miles an hour, Mm -hmm. which is very, 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 very fast. So a tiny, tiny amount of imbalance is really going to show up. If the U-joints get out of phase with each other, we've seen that a lot. It's it's been a while, but back in the day, they used to have a 
drive shaft that was two pieces and it had a bonded rubber connection between them. Mm-hmm. And that bond would break and the drive shaft twist inside itself and the, the joints would get out of phase and that right. causes a real bad, bad vibration. Well, and on two piece drive shaft, if someone put U joints, disassembled the shaft, didn't mark it, and now they put it back either 180 degrees off or 40 degrees off or whatever number, depending mm-hmm. on the spline configuration, you can have a vibration that's driveline related that, that you. Right, you may not ever get out. One devil of a time finding. Now, all that said, even with everything perfect, let's say the drive shaft's perfectly balanced, let's say it is perfectly aligned, you can still have a vibration, vibration problem because you can have what they call harmonics. Mm-hmm. Harmonic is something that is just inherent in the design. This design vibrates at this speed, even Correct. though everything is balanced, everything's aligned, and so on. That is generally tuned out on an engineering level. By either sizing the part differently, putting a counterweight Counterweight. somewhere. And these things are done at the factory generally before you get the vehicle. So if it starts to occur after either something has changed or if you engineered a vehicle yourself, you built a car and you didn't. You don't have the wherewithal to know all that. You may end up with an inherent harmonic vibration that you just don't know how to go about getting out. We could talk about that a little bit more when we get back. Hi folks, Louis Aldazan here from Agco Automotive. Our team is celebrating 40 years in business and we're getting congratulatory calls from all kinds of characters. And I do mean characters. Zoinks! You know, Louis, me and Scoob will never forget the time that you fixed the alignment on the mystery machine. 40 years is really far out, man. <laughs> Louis, there's a lot of lily-livered varmints out in the automotive world, but not of you. You're the best north, south, east, and west of the Pecos. Hats off to 40 years, partner. Don't. 40 years is almost higher than I can count. My only complaint is that you don't give away free donuts. (sighs) Donuts. Well, it seems like high-quality automotive care in this day and age is still appreciated. I just can't believe all these characters really call. Oh, well, they always say I am quite an animated guy. Agco. After 40 years, it's still the place to go. Hey, welcome back to the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, president of Agco Automotive. Got our lead tech, Mr. Brian Terry, right here by my side. Between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Still got a few minutes. Give us a call, 291-6901. We were talking about vibrations, harmonics, and particularly in drive shafts uh-huh. in the last segment. And I remember the Chevy pickup trucks had a problem with vibration. I think it was up about 70 miles an hour. Right. I remember that. And uh, re-engineered that to just move the the vibration out of the realm of the driver. Right. They redesigned the drive shaft by going larger. They went to an aluminum shaft, and it went from about a 3-inch steel shaft to about a Mm 5-inch aluminum shaft. Right. By increasing the diameter of the shaft, what they did is they moved the range at which it would vibrate much higher up. So now it's still got the vibration because it's inherent in the design. They can't get it out without totally redesigning the truck. But they've tuned it up to a range where most people are never going to feel it. Exactly. It may vibrate now at 85 to 90 miles an hour instead of 70, which is much better because most people drive 70 miles an hour. They're going to feel a vibration. They're not really going to feel a vibration up at 85 to 90 miles an hour. Right. It's just a way they have of moving things. They can tune it by changing one component. For every harmonic or vibration... You need three things, and 
the first is, of course, the source. That's right. what's causing the vibration. Number two is the responder. That's where you feel the vibration. It might be the steering wheel. It might be the seat. It might be whatever is shaking. And number three, you have to have a transfer path. That's where the vibration goes from the source to the transponder. If you can change any of the three, you can change the range at which the vibration is going to occur. And that's the whole premise behind tuning vibrations out of things. If they can put a counterweight, they may tune this up to a range where it's no longer noticeable. Right. It's not necessarily to necessarily not necessary to get rid of the vibration if they can tune it out of the range where most people are ever going to experience it. Let's go to our phone lines with Chuck. Good morning, Chuck. Good morning. How are you guys? Doing great. Doing great. I know you guys are talking about vibration right now, but I've got a problem. I've got an 07 Chevrolet Silverado okay. losing engine coolant okay. rapidly. Uh-huh. Okay. Radiator's been changed out. No apparent leaks in the driveway. Don't have a clue where this might be going. I'm going to tell you, Chuck, what we see a lot on those is the water pump gaskets will leak they had a lot of trouble with those gaskets deteriorating. The reason you won't see it is because you got a big old huge fan right there. The water is oozing out, and that fan is blowing it back against the engine, which is 200-plus degrees, so it's just evaporating. And it never hits the ground. But gotcha. that's the most common thing. On 07, you should not have a problem with the cracked cylinder heads like the earlier ones did. Supposedly, they had that resolved by 07. But the 06 and earlier had a problem with the cylinder heads cracking. It would actually leak into the oil. But your 07 shouldn't be affected by that. Check those water pump gaskets real, real. Okay. Well, this is an 07 Classic. Would that make any difference? No, sir. No. The, the engine's changed. Now, okay. one other place that we do occasionally see it, you know those two quick connect fittings are back on the firewall? Right. Where the heater hoses go in. Occasionally, we'll see those, and it'll just kind of trickle down the firewall. And, again, all the heat of the exhaust and all that air blowing back will evaporate it before it hits the ground. But any reasonable shop with a pressure test should be able to find that for you pretty easy. And if you don't have a gajillion miles on it, Chuck, sometimes we just change the gaskets because sometimes the new water pumps you get are probably not as good as the ones you're taking off. So right. I don't automatically just change that pump. I usually change the gasket if that's all it is. Okay. All righty? Thank you, guys. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. All right. All right, going right straight back to our lines with Chico. Good morning, Chico. Hey, how are you doing Doing today? wonderful, sir. Good morning. Lewis and Brian, I have love the show. I have a question. I have a 2010 Toyota Tacoma Freerunner. Okay. And it has the low-pressure tire sensors. Yes, sir. All right. And I'm getting ready to get two tires changed. The question I have is, do I need to reset the pressure alarm inside the truck after that is done? Well, the answer to that, Chico, is yes and no. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty yeah. confusing, but... If you move the position of the wheels, and as they take all four wheels off, break them down, and put them back in different positions, they would have to be reprogrammed to tell the car or truck where the new where the wheels are actually located on the vehicle. Now, if they okay. put the wheels back left front to left front, right rear to right rear, so on as that, put them back exactly where they were. As long as they don't damage the sensor in the process, they're not. It's not going to change anything. Right. And another quick one: if I had those sensors removed, what kind of problem or would it be to have it deprogrammed so they wouldn't show up it's I'm not possible real. yeah no. it is not possible because those are programmed into the vehicle they go through the body control module and through the pcm it's not okay. possible to disarm it or unprogram it the light it, you, they go turn the light on you can just take them out and put valve stems in them but your light is going to stay on constantly i mean unless you want to put a business card on your dash or put a picture, uh, piece of tape picture, or picture your kids in front of it yeah <laughs> It's it's not impossible to get home, lower the pressure to the setting I want, reprogram, and then air them back up to normal pressure. Not a problem. Yeah. I was just curious about that. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, Chico. Thanks. 
Thanks Thank for calling me. Thank you for in. all your help. Yes, really sir. love the show. You bet. Thank we you. really appreciate you listening. Bye-bye. Huh? All right, 291-6901 is the number. If you want to part of the automotive aisle, we would love to have you. We were talking about vibrations, harmonics, and such as uh-huh. that. And, again, driveline-related vibrations. The last thing that I want to kind of just hit on briefly, and that is let's say you've got a vibration at so many RPM. And with the car sitting still, if you bring the engine to that RPM, you can duplicate it sitting still. There you go. Well, now we're in an engine, torque converter, something that's rotating sitting still. Right. We've already eliminated the tire wheel assemblies, the drive shaft, the rear end. Anything that is not moving has been eliminated. So with that one simple test, and there's the first thing, notice the RPM at which the vibration occurs, if it is peculiar to an RPM. Uh-huh. With the car sitting still, in park, park, foot on the brakes, bring the engine to that rpm and see if the vibration reoccurs if it occurs sitting still then we know it's not the drive line because none of that is turning right we know it's not the wheels it's not the tires it's not any of that kind of stuff so now we have to zero in on the engine and the stuff that's still turning now a torque converter is one of the things out of many things that can cause a vibration yep and again on most vehicles what you could do is go in take the bolts out of the torque converter push it back into the transmission now we can start the engine and see if the vibration is still there. If that lets the vibration go, it is gone. Well, now we will suspect a torque, a torque converter. converter. Some vehicles may not be possible, but a lot of them it is. You can just separate the torque converter from the flywheel, push it back in the transmission, and crank the engine up like that. Mm-hmm. Now, if that's not possible, then that's not going to be a test you're going to be able to do. You have right. to use different methods to try to find it. Let's say we separate the torque converter from the engine, vibration is still there. Well, now we're probably into a vibration in the engine itself. One thing that occurs to me is we've had a radio show on the program, and that is the harmonic balancer. It can be damaged. The ring could be slipping on it. Right. change balance. There's a way to verify that. Take paint marker and put a mark across the whole balancer, across mm-hmm. the, the steel part that bolts to the crankshaft, the rubber connection, and the outer ring. Mm-hmm. Crank it back up and run it a little bit. Bring it back to that vibration and shut it off. Look, if, if those two paint marks have moved, oh, yeah. then that balancer's done. Definitely slipped. Now, Beyond the harmonic balancer, you have things like a bent fan blade on cars that have a engine-driven fan. Uh-huh. I've seen that cause a vibration. Uh, one other thing, and this is a bit obscure, but it does really throw people for a loop a lot of times, and that is an engine that has been hydrolocked. And by hydrolocked, you mean it's actually had liquid in the cylinders and locked. It's ingested a liquid. When the piston came up, liquids don't compress, so it's caused damage inside the engine. This is particularly bad on diesel engines because they have such a high compression ratio. It takes very little to hydrolock one. We had one come in, and the rear main seal was leaking. Mm -hmm. And we pulled the transmission to change the rear main seal, and Josh noticed the rear flange was moving a few thousandths of an inch. Right. Put an indicator on it, found out it was. So the crankshaft in this engine was bent. Talked to the guy a little more. He says, well, yeah, I hydrolocked. I had an injector that went bad, filled a cylinder with fuel. Engine hydrolock, we replaced the injector, and I've had a vibration ever since, and then now the seal keeps going out. Right. Well, you're not going to fix that just by changing a seal. You've got a much, much, much larger problem. Sure. And this, again, is just one of those things. We'll try to talk about this a little bit more next week because we're just out of time today. Okay. We want to tell everybody how much we appreciate them listening this morning and every Saturday morning on Automotive Hour. I'd like to thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week. And tell your friends, and if your service has a place for a written rating, please Go on there and give us one. Give us a written review. It'll move us up in the ratings so more folks can hear us. We'll keep on doing the show. (laughs) Hey, pre-season was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.